24 minutes after 7 p.m., you tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. We check in with the latest out in the markets. Of course, uh, Maligazaz Mali having closed uh, about 2 hours and 24 minutes ago. And uh, yeah, uh, I guess uh, not an easy day, uh, one might add, uh, out in the markets uh, on this uh, Wednesday. Of course, much in the red. JSE, uh, yeah, losing about... Uh, a fifth of a percentage point uh, there, or I guess a fifth of, uh, yeah, a fifth of a full rand. Uh, it was about 20 cents of a move there, uh, closing as the markets closed around 18 rand and 36 cents uh, to the US dollar. And uh, yeah, on the commodities front, gold, the only real winner. Uh, platinum down 23.6%. Uh, so too is palladium. And the Brent crude oil price also hovering at around 72 US dollars a barrel. Uh, but yeah, tonight... Uh, we shine a spotlight, a bit of a spotlight, out on the property sector. And I'm um, joined on the line to talk about this and so much more by uh, Founder and Chief Investment Officer out at Benguela Global Fund Managers. And that is Zuela Kem Guni. Kwabe, good evening to you, my brother. Welcome. Good evening, Aya, and good evening to your listeners. I hope you are well. I hope you are, I guess, in some light. Uh, because, hey, we know of late, you know, we must first check when we talk to people. Are you in the dark or <laughs> what's the story? <laughs> Yes, you know, I always get excited when the market falls because I've been waiting for this for a long time. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you'll find that I'm one of the few people who are laughing when the market's falling because I can I've imagine. been hoping for this uh, for quite some time. Oh, cheapest. Come on, Zelaki. <laughs> Zelaki, let's start out in the property sector, bro, because. You know, I, I like talking about Fairvest. Oh, jeepers, what's happening? No, 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 Wait, 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 wait. What's happening now? Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying I always like to talk about the latest out in the property sector. Uh, and especially if it relates to Fairvest or Safari or any of those guys who have got, uh, you know, shopping mall operations out in the townships. Uh, Fairvest now coming out and saying they're going to offload one of their subsidiaries in Lula or in Place, I should say. Uh, and this is a, a mixed, I guess, bag of uh, assets here, including student accommodation. What do you make of this? And uh, I guess, uh, firstly, just some of the deal mechanics, the pricing, the consideration itself in full, and more importantly, what uh, uh, Fairvest is going to do with some of this money. Yeah, look, uh, I think the, the, the transaction itself, I mean, in the place is a residential uh, property uh, owner. So, Fairvest, I think, owned about uh, 60% of their business. Mm. And they seem to be uh, reconsidering their position. I think they, the getting levels at last check were relatively elevated at about uh, 38%. The normal level for the industry is that you don't want the loan to value to be more than 40%. So they have been... Uh, looking to show up their balance sheet, and I think these transactions give them uh, exactly that. So it gives them about 650 million uh, to mm. really, uh, reallocate. I, what what do we make of this, Kwabe? I mean, for a fair vest, right? So they offload these assets, largely residential. Okay. They show up their kitty. They fix their loan to value ratio by about five percent points, uh, which might mean you know they de-risk that balance sheet somewhat. Uh, but for them, what's the next play? Because And I ask this because we've been looking at some retail numbers in the last while. Almost all of the retailers are trying to reduce their trading space, uh, including some of the banks, by the way. Um, so I guess on the occupational side of things, I mean, who at this stage is looking to occupy some of the space these guys provide outside of maybe the townships? Sure. I, I think it's a, it's a very good question. I, I think if you look at the 
the vacancies, they've been going in for a fairest, and historically they've managed to survive the, the cycle because the retail side of the business tended to hold up relatively well because mm-hmm. of the, the market they're exposed in, particular the, the town. But I think they are exposure to uh, the office and the industrial, I mean, probably uh, less so much about industrial. I think the office space has been coming under pressure for quite some time. I think that space is probably going to remain under pressure for quite some time. The worst thing with the retail uh, uh, sector is now coming under pressure as we're seeing all these uh, uh, power failures. They do have an effect in terms of the, the, the sustainability of the tenants, but also the amount of money that the, uh, the life of service can collect. Mm. So it does create a bit of a challenge. And uh, like, like you say, I mean, if you look around, the property sector has been under pressure. I don't think we're out of the woods yet. You reckon? I don't think so. I think, I think we, with this uh, energy crisis, I think it's going to create some uh, challenges. Mm. We're going to see a lot of capex going in to plan have solar panels and all those things implemented at the malls and shopping centers. And maybe we haven't see stability in 2024, but I'm almost like in my books, like driving off 2023 from a SA Inc. focused businesses to say, the, the guys that are going to do well, it's not going to be anything double digit in terms of mm. the, the performance. It's probably going to be single digit and well, in the worst case, it'll probably be declined. So, there is certainly a hard effort to try and get the, the tenants back. back mm. But, I mean, you can see in service office, uh, that that market was, uh, uh, the, the vacancy rate was 15%, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Whereas on the retail side, it was slightly better. I think it was around uh, uh, seven, uh, 6%, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Again, this, these are challenges that they all face and they, they, they won't be able to escalate the, the results again. Yeah. Let's, let's stay in the property sector because Growth Point put out some interim numbers as well. Um, and of the 700,000 meters squared of space that was let in uh, that six months, uh, they saw their vacancies uh, decline to around 9.9% from 10.3%. Uh, they're saying the fundamentals have started to improve, but I think your point still stands, Kwabe, that... Um, um, one might not expect a full revert, I guess, um, or a full return to the kind of work workplace environments that one would have had, say, around 2019 or so. And therefore, you know, firms like this might have to consider some strategic disposals, as uh, we would have seen there with the likes of Fairvest and we're seeing from other real estate investment trusts as well. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, if you look at uh, uh, growth point in particular, I mean, they, they've been... Uh, doing disposals for quite a long time, for a number of years, they, they've uh, always been trimming their portfolio as and when they needed uh, to realize value. I think they, they have made some of the, the investments that I don't think have worked out, like the GWI, I think the value on that uh, asset is actually half. So, uh, I mean, the, the bulk of the assets uh, are still on the SA side. I think they are about 40% offshore uh, at, at current stage, but they still depended on South Africa to some extent. The other markets, I mean, Australia and, uh, and, and Europe might not be too bad, but I, I think the SA side still uh, seems to be uh, under pressure. I mean, the, the funding costs are biting them. There the, the is also the, the pressure on the, on the 
rentals and I think I think it's not a great place to be in at the moment. But mm. I think if you look longer term, you probably might find some decent uh, opportunities in the market, in the property market. So if you look beyond 2023, maybe 2024, 2025, you might find that uh, things normalize. Hopefully we get electricity back. Because that is a major, major factor in our economy. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely, definitely. And I think as you correctly earlier alluded, it seems a lot of the capital investment plans are now being you know, shifted and vied in the direction of getting energy replacement uh, to uh, mitigate the disruptions on uh, trading and operations for many of the tenants of some of these property players. Let, let's shift our attention away from property for a second and head out to uh, yeah, the world of private higher education, Stadio. Uh, these are the guys who uh, give us the likes of Mill Park, uh, give us the likes of uh, AFDA, I think at some stage even the... Um, uh, what is it, that uh, design school there out in uh, uh, Blair Gallery, Lysoff and others. Um, they've seen their revenue up, uh, just uh, over $1.2 billion there. Uh, but uh, I guess uh, all of this on the back of higher student enrollments and uh, also declaring a final dividend per share, uh, which increased from $0.4 uh, four cents, uh, 4.7 cents, uh, per share to around 8. Uh, $0.8.9 cents per share. Yeah, I, I think, uh, as you quite uh, correctly pointed out, I mean, the, the big driver of this performance was actually the, the student numbers. But if you look at the revenue itself, it was uh, uh, up 11%, like uh, uh, boosted by the same uh, growth in, in student numbers. I think the mix in terms of pricing has shifted to a distance education uh, and that the fee per student there is slightly lower than the contract uh, uh, education. So they seem to have done uh, relatively well on the front. Uh, their margins are up because they've got a fixed cost base and as you add more people into the schools, you're actually getting more um, uh, margin because the, the, the teachers per the class are standard. And, and I guess the other question, I mean, what does cost discipline mean here? You know, uh, you know you've got the same leases, you've got the same you know, a teacher cohort, you've got the same space, I would think, in, within those buildings to fill the classes. Uh, what does cost discipline mean? Aside from maybe, I guess, in the case of Mill Park, uh, which is more like executive education, which has shifted away from contact-based models. Uh, is that the play? Are, are we likely to see much more online offerings in some of the uh, even face-to-face ones as uh, some of the cost pressures begin to bite? I think so. I, I think if you look at the, the amount of people who are hungry to get education, many of whom are deserving, but they don't get space in, in contact uh, education facilities, and many of them don't have the uh, adequate amount of money uh, to be able into, to get into those contact uh, education uh, uh, schools. So you end up with the distance learning being the big component of this kind of uh, uh, business. So as you increase the number of uh, students, you end up with uh, more margin. So initially, you start, you, you make losses initially when the school starts. And as you add more people, you actually get to, to increase the, the capacity utilization. But what is also beneficial, I think the trend is in their favor. Uh, so the, the acceleration in student numbers is also helped not only by the fact that they've had a base that is moving to the next level, they also help by the fact that there is a shift towards uh, a private education. On top of that, there is a shift into 
Then, Kwabe, just as we wrap up, I want us to go to Angola. Um, and it seems our exploration activity uh, moving full steam ahead. Uh, what's happening here? Is Exxon saying they're going to see some, uh, you know, I guess novel uh, territory here offshore that might have some very, very lucrative fines for them? <laughs> I thought uh, these companies are turning into uh, uh, solar energy businesses. And now no, Kwabe. No, no, Kwabe. No. <laughs> energy mix, my brother. Energy mix. <laughs> so so it's quite interesting coming from, from uh, America. I mean, that they are looking at opportunities to uh, 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 look at uh, assets. So, I mean, they, they, they've been given, I think, a prospecting license that has been extended to cover, I think, a bit more space. Uh, in the Nami uh, basin of the of Angola, so it looks like they say that they could be a commercial something that could go uh, commercial that they are prospecting on uh, for financial year 2024. So it looks like they, they, there is some promise there. I mean, they, they, they are, I guess they are starting to diversify their supply. I think the situation in Saudi is not so great for many of these companies, or at least the, the relationships that they had is not so great so they try to build relationships with africa so yeah it seems that's the that's the play at the moment um i mean if if we think back Kwabe, probably less than three or four years ago if you and i would have yeah. spoken on radio about a story related to sonango uh it would uh, have probably been under very different circumstances probably would have involved isabella dos santos um, issues of cor- corruption and so on. So I, I'm just marveling at how quickly the narrative can turn when it's many of the uh, you know international or global north co- uh, countries that are in greatest need of this fuel and this energy. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly the point. That uh, uh, if you look today, I think uh, uh, the U.S. Uh, uh, Foreign Secretary is actually on the African continent. I think he's in Ethiopia, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and he's basically there to try and build a relationship with the African uh, uh, members because they can't, they're hungry for resources and they fear that Russia's relationship and China's relationship with Africa might actually lock them out of these opportunities. So they're coming back now to, to look for opportunities. I mean, to invest uh, $15 billion is significant. Uh, that that they are looking to put into into the continent. So so I think we are seeing a shift in the narrative as as part of the geopolitics mm. uh, in, in Europe, particularly. What's all of this going to mean for our region, Kwabe? Um, and let me maybe frame it in this way, just as we wrap up. There's all of this new exploration, not just on the coastline of the Namib, there in Angola, between Angola and Namibia, but even here in South Africa. I mean, if you check Bukhuspai and all of those other places. Um, and all the way rapid around through the way to Mozambique and Tanzania. Um, And so in a way, it seems there, and then if you go onshore, there's the green hydrogen, you know, question. There's all manner of other uh, uh, plays out in the world of renewables. The implication for the broader region insofar as the nature of capital investment we'll see, but also for yourselves, the type of deals we might see down the line. I mean, what, what are you seeing in relation to all of this news and all of this rise in exploration activity, rise in, you know, renewables investments, rise in, you know, exploration, offshore gas fines and all of that? Oh, yeah. If we 
we were running the country, the, uh, many of these African countries, I'd be extremely excited because this could be our moment as Africans where our resources uh, are in high demand and we're having uh, multiple bidders for these resources. So, so the opportunity for exploration, uh, the mineral resources, I mean, let's talk about Zimbabwe potentially coming out of the sanction as a result of their big uh, lithium deposit. Mm. So there is a lot of exploration. Wow. So wait, 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 wait. Kwame, you can't just say that and pass. Wait, wait. Is that a chat in the markets? Is that what you guys are talking yeah, about in the markets? That, wow. that is a chat. That is a chat in the market that uh, if China can come in and lock that lithium uh, out of uh, America uh, and Europe, then the price of lithium is going to go through the roof and they won't be able to get access to such a resource. So there is thought that they are looking to maybe soften the, the, the sanctions to basically get sure. the, the access to this type of uh, uh, resource. But again, it's the story of Africa where we are being abused when it sees the masters mm. and then uh, we, we are becoming friends when uh, times are hard. So I think the times are hard. We are seeing a lot of uh, exploration on the African mm. continent. Mm. We are seeing a lot of willingness to invest in the African continent. And one of the issues that has also contributed to this is the fact that there is talk about the BRICS uh, countries. Uh, I heard Saudi Arabia is joining, Iran is joining, uh, and that, that creates a risk to the dollar. That if pricing shifts away from the dollar, the U.S. will have a massive inflation because their currency will depreciate against many other currencies. And that is one of the things why we are seeing them to some of the African leaders. Hmm. It's going to be very interesting times, Kwabe, uh, in the next uh, few years. I, I anticipate. <laughs> I mean, yo, 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 yo. some of the uh, things we are hearing. I, I, I. Let's leave it here, Kwabe. <laughs> All of the best, my brother. As always, pleasure <laughs> catching up with you. Thank you, Aya. Thank you very much. As well, Akim Guni, Chief Investment Officer and Founder out at Benguela Global Fund Managers, helping us with our wrap of the top business stories. We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we speak to the Treasurer General of the Economic Freedom Fighters, Umpile Maudwe. Uh, we'll be hearing, uh, yeah, in relation to what?